Mike's not on. Oh, okay, great, smooth. All right, so guys, get used to seeing me down here uh, preaching uh, because Alex is about 6'1", and I'm about 5'2", maybe. I don't know how tall I am. Uh, and that, that, that pulpit lectern is like as tall as I am. So just kind of get used to, to seeing me down here. Anyway, um, yeah, it's good to see you guys this morning. Uh, glad to be with you all on another Lord's Day uh, where we come to gather and worship and fellowship and just praise the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King Jesus. And again, as my friend Lyle always say, uh, says, you guys just look beautiful this morning. Uh, so if you got your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up to Matthew 6. Uh, we're going to look at verses 7 through 15 today. Matthew 6, uh, verses 7 through 15. Now, uh, you guys, as you're opening up to that, uh, I'm going to just talk to you a little bit. Uh, So you guys here at the Village Church, you guys get the tremendous joy, the tremendous pleasure of watching me develop as a preacher of God's, uh, as a preacher and teacher of God's word. I mean, that is just a tremendous pleasure of you guys. Uh, so what that actually means is that I get to experiment on you guys. I get to, you know, you guys get to be my guinea pigs. So today I'm going to kind of step out of my wheelhouse a little bit. Uh, the, the sermon that I'm going to preach today is not necessarily a, a traditional exposition of this text. Uh, I like to call what I'm going to do today a topical exposition. Now, don't let that scare you at all. Uh, because I'm going to be faithful to the text. Uh, everything that I'm going to say today was drawn directly from Scripture. Uh, so don't let that scare you at all. Uh, so just uh, we're going to proceed with the hope and, and the trust that uh, God's Holy Spirit is in control today. Uh, because no matter how good of a preacher I am or how good of a preacher I am not, if the Spirit doesn't move, then it means nothing. Okay? All right. So uh, Matthew 6. Verses 7 through 15, and this is what it says. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, So today I want to simply talk to you all about prayer. Uh, Now, if you were here for Sunday school, maybe two or three months ago, of what I'm going to say today. So when I say stuff, just act surprised. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So today I, I simply just want to talk to you about prayer. Um, so after the death of my mother last year, some of you guys didn't know that, my mom passed away a little, a little bit over a year ago. And during that time, 
of my prayer life was exposed as a farce. Like I, I, I really thought before then that I had a, a genuinely uh, robust and faithful prayer life. But as soon as uh, I, I went through a turbulent time, my prayer life was exposed uh, as really being nothing at all. And since then, uh, the Lord has been graciously helping me to grow in the area of prayer. Now, I still got a long way to go. Uh, this will be a, a continual journey. There will be highs and lows in my life, just like uh, anyone else. But uh, I thought I felt like it would be a, a great idea for us as the family of God, us as brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, to revisit this precious gift uh, that has been given to us by God, our father. Now, our confession uh, states that prayer is an offering up of God, uh, an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. I'll I'll read that again. Uh, Our confession states that prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. John Calvin uh, calls prayer the chief exercise of our faith uh, and and that by which we daily receive benefits from God. So prayer, in essence, in in its simplest form, is conversing and communicating with God, our Father. Now, before I go any further in this sermon, before I kind of take a deep dive into this text, and before I proceed any further, I do want to say this, uh, that there is a right way and there is a wrong way to pray. There is a right way and there's a wrong way to pray, but there is absolutely no absolute way to pray. So what do I mean by that? Uh, I mean this, that as long as you're praying biblically faithful prayers, there is no magical formula and there's no theological mojo that is going to make your prayer more effective than someone else's. Just because you've got the, the perfect room temperature, just because you've got in Christ alone playing in the background, just because you're listening to, to, to Keith and, and Kathy Getty or, or Ty Tribbett, whatever your speed is, just because you've got the, the perfect amount of, of ambient lighting, you've got your pillow, you know, that, like, that doesn't make your prayer any more uh, effective than your, your simple prayer that you pray while you're driving on your way to work, okay? So I want you guys to take comfort in that. I, I want you guys to take comfort in the fact that no matter how simple or how complex your prayer is, your prayer is, as long as it is a biblically faithful prayer, God still hears and he still answers the prayers of his children. Amen? So, uh, and I think that Christ, I think that Jesus is kind of is kind of getting at that at the, at the beginning of this text. Uh, he, he shows us that, that there is a right way and a wrong way to pray. Now, this this is the what has become uh, become known as the Lord's Prayer. And it is actually uh, retold uh, in the Gospel of Luke as well. But the reason that I chose this one over uh, the Gospel of Luke is because in uh, the beginning, Jesus starts out by saying, don't pray like this. So he shows us, again, that there is a wrong way 
uh, to pray. Uh, Jesus says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. All right. So you guys may see me wear this a lot. Right. I kind of wear this like probably too much. I wear it all the time. But these these are uh, what are known as uh, as prayer beads. Uh, And I do not use them for that reason. Okay, it's fashion for me. I I just like the way it looks. Uh, It it, it increases my swag, I guess. I don't don't know. Uh, But uh, some uh, some Eastern. (laughs) That's pretty funny, right? (laughs) Some Eastern cultures, uh, they use these. Uh, in their uh, their prayer to to their their gods, uh, and a lot of pagan cultures use these. And as you can see, there's a, a, an assortment, a number of beads on here. And what some uh, pagan Eastern cultures do is that they chant and they count the beads as they're chanting, and they go all the way around until they get back to the the, the little point that's on here. And and a lot of pagan Eastern cultures believe that until they get back around to the point on the uh, on the prayer beads that their prayer is not effective they they believe that that their prayer well that they are because they're they're kind of like praying to a false god but beside the, beside the point <laughs> uh, but they they don't believe that their prayers are effective until they get all the way back around to that point on the prayer beads and what Jesus is pointing to here in the text is it, it, it doesn't really matter how many times you, you, you repeat a phrase or repeat a saying if it's not sincere, if, it, if it's not uh, effectual and fervent. It really, really doesn't matter very much at all. So, so uh, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to paint an illustration and this is going to kind of tell on myself. But, but you guys give me a little grace. You know what I mean? I'm still I'm still I'm a work in progress. But have you guys like ever been at, at the dinner table? Right. And, and you haven't eaten all day. Like the most that you've had is probably a drink of water or something. Right. So you, you, you sit down at the dinner table and, and I don't know, maybe you got a, a big, juicy ribeye steak or some Chick-fil-A, you know, just sitting there ready to be devoured. And, and somebody gets assigned to pray a prayer. And at that moment, while you're, you're, all, you're near starvation, right, you, you know, you, that person decides to, to display the breadth and the depth and the length of their theological education at that point. So they're praying for the trees. They're praying for their dog. They're, they're praying for everything except for this meal that you're about to eat, right? You know what I mean? And uh, let me say this, though. Uh, there are some people who, who genuinely pray like that, and they don't mean any harm by it. I got a friend named Nathan uh, that no matter what the setting is, he's just a deeply theological dude. So he's going he's gonna to pray prayers like that anyway, and that's just the way that my wife can attest to that. That's just kind of the way he is. Uh, so he's not trying to impress anyone, but others, <laughs> other people, they will try to impress you at the dinner table while you're trying. You're, like, you're ready to eat. You know what I mean? You're ready to get down. But they, they want to impress you with their theological education at that point. And Jesus is basically saying, like, don't don't be like that. Don't 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 think that your your lofty prayer is going to get you any more kudos 
than the simple one or two word prayer. I, I pray a I pray a canned prayer every time at the dinner table. It probably gets me in trouble, you know what I mean? But I, I say the same prayer at the dinner table almost every time because I don't want to I don't want my prayer to be a burden to my brother or sister. And lofty prayers uh, can make a a person who may not be that far along in their walk of faith, your your huge and lofty prayer may uh, actually be a burden to your brother and, or sister without you uh, even knowing it. So just keep, just kind of keep that in mind a little bit uh, and think about that as we go through uh, this text here. So with all that said, all that said, how should we pray? If there is a right way and if there is a wrong way to pray, how should we pray? Now, I believe that scripture is replete enough uh, with instances that show us as the family of God that we should be praying uh, Trinitarian prayers. What do I mean by that? We should pray to the Father. We should pray in the name of uh, Jesus Christ, the Son, and we should pray uh, in the power of the Spirit. Uh, Matthew uh, 6, 9 through 13 shows us that Jesus was praying to uh, his father. Uh, John 14, uh, the, the entire uh, the entire chapter, uh, Jesus uh, uh, is showing us that we should should pray in his name and that things will be effective as we pray in his name. Uh, Ephesians 6 and 18 and also Jude 20 uh, verse 20 shows us that we should also pray in the spirit. Uh, so we should as the family of God, be praying Trinitarian prayers. Uh, also, we should pray with confident expectation. We should pray with the confidence that our God is capable of changing whatever the situation is. And I get that. I pull that from Matthew uh, 21, verse 22. Now, I'm going to spout out a lot of scriptures here because, like I said, this is not the typical exposition, so if you want to take some notes and go back and read them later, uh, that would be a really good idea. Uh, Matthew 21 and 22 uh, shows us that we should pray with confident expectation. First uh, Thessalonians uh, 5 and 17 shows us that, that we should pray without ceasing, uh, that we should continuously have a heart of prayer. And I would add also, on to this that we should pray the scriptures we should pray god's word back to himself like if you really want to make god happy tell god the truth about himself like god shows us his he displays his character to us in the book of exodus he tells moses that i am a god that is steadfast i am a god that is faithful a god that is loving pray that back to god and that is a a pleasing uh, smell, a pleasing aroma to God that that pleases God. So that 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 is how we should pray. But what should we pray for? Like what, as the family of God, what should we be praying for? Uh, Matthew six verse ten, Jesus prays, "Your kingdom come." Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So in, in light of what Jesus is saying here, like what, what should we pray for? Uh, well, we should pray that, that God's kingdom would come. Like that should be a, a genuine desire of the family of God. We should pray that his kingdom would come and that, that his will would be done. It, it, it also shows us here in these verses that we should pray for ourselves. And more over, we should pray for others. We should pray for others. We should, we should pray for ourselves. We should pray for our daily bread, which is, which is a very dangerous prayer in, in the United States because probably half of us in here, and, and I'm, I'm not going to get in y'all pockets or nothing like that, but, but probably half of us in here have retirement. You know what I mean? So half of us in here, we've got, we've got jobs that, that pay good salaries. So that's a, that's a dangerous and a hard prayer to pray in the United States for, for some of us because we're dependent and we know that our next paycheck is going to come. We know that. So it's difficult for us to pray for our daily bread. But we should still pray for our daily bread to show and acknowledge to God that we are not dependent on our finances. We're not dependent on our job, we are dependent on his grace. We are dependent on his provision. So, yes, we, we should pray for others. And, and this text shows us that, that in praying for others, we should even pray for our enemies. We should even pray for our enemies. If our Lord, if our Savior was willing to die for his enemies, the least we could do is pray for ours, right? We should pray for our enemies. The Lord has, again, been graciously dealing with me in, uh, in, in certain areas, and I asked myself this question. And, and this was kind of is, is, heavy for me, but I asked myself the question, could I mourn with Hitler's children? Could I mourn with Hitler's children? I think about that. Like, think about all of the evil things that Adolf Hitler did in the world. But to his children, he was still dad. Would you be able to mourn with his children? Would you be able to pray for your enemy's children? Just think about that. Just, just let that marinate for a minute. So we should pray for ourselves. We should pray for others. But I want to pose a question to you. Why? As the family of God, why don't we always pray? Why don't we always pray? Like what 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 keeps us from praying to God the Father? Well, a couple of things that that, that I think keep us from prayer. I, I think that we don't pray because we are afraid because we don't think we know how to pray. We think we don't know how to pray, so we just say, you know, I won't even I won't even bother. But again, I hope this is encouraging for for you guys that that no matter how simple or no matter how complex your prayer is, God still hears your prayer. Pastor Alex often asks a question which uh, uh, Elder Bricker uh, reiterated just a moment ago. Uh, Pastor Alex often asks, do you really believe it? And so oftentimes I believe that we don't pray simply because we don't really believe. 
like sometimes we ask for more courage. We ask for more faith. But sometimes I believe what the prayer should be is, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Amen. Another reason that we don't pray is because we think we're too busy. Again, we, we, we want to have the, 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 the best setting for prayer. If, it, if it's not in our you know, most intimate space, in our prayer closet, we feel that our prayer won't be heard. We feel that it won't be effective. So we think that we are too busy. And this may rustle some feathers or, or, or this may run over some toes. And I, and I don't mean to. Just like I really didn't mean to, but it's just the reality of what it is. Sometimes we don't pray because we would rather gossip. We would rather go tell somebody else our business than to go and tell our father who cares and who can actually do something about it. Like We would rather post it on Facebook. I'm guilty of that. We would rather post it on Facebook than to go tell God our father who can change this situation, right? Like, I, I, I see some stuff, and, and again, I'm guilty of it myself. I see some things on social media sometimes, and I just think, man, only you and God should probably know about that. You know what I mean? Anyway, so why should we pray? So sometimes we don't pray, but... But why should we do it? Why should we pray? Well, first of all, because God's word commands us to do it. God, God's word co- commands us to pray. Uh, Luke uh, 18 and, and 1 uh, commands uh, prayer. Uh, Isaiah 55 and 6 commands prayer of the people of God. Uh, another reason we should pray is because this is the way that we communicate with God. This is the way that we commune to God, uh, with God. And when we pray, we talk to God, but also God talks back to us. When we pray, God speaks to us. Now, I'm not going to be weird and say that God speaks to you in a, in a completely audible voice. That is not what I'm saying. But when you are praying, God, through his word and through other means, through, in, it, through the impression of the Holy Spirit and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit on your heart, God speaks to his children in, a various, uh, in various different ways. God speaks to us. Prayer also aligns us with the will of God. You can look at Matthew 26 and verse number 39 for that. The, the prayer of the family of God aligns us with the will of God. And lastly, the, the main reason that I believe that we as the family of God should be praying is because of what the title of this sermon says. Prayer changes things. That's an that's a, that's a old African-American church adage. Prayer changes things. Things like prayer causes things to happen. Prayer takes God's super and it combines it with our natural and makes it a supernatural thing. You actually have supernatural power through the power of prayer. But do you really believe it? I sound like Pastor Alex up here today. 
Our prayers show our dependence upon God. They connect us with the cross of Calvary. They show that as the family of God, we have a, a utter, almost hopeless dependence on the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And it shows that we're not depending on our own strength and on our own power. Prayer connects us to a triune God that can change any broken situation. But do you really believe it? So, uh, again, I, I want to reiterate this. There is no absolute formula to the way uh, in which uh, the family of God should pray. But, and so, just go with me here. But there are ways in which Scripture shows us we should pray, okay? One of the ways that I grew up praying, which was an, an, an effective model for me to know uh, effective ways in which to pray, was praying what is called ACTS prayers. That's an acronym, A-C-T-S, ACTS prayers. And I know, you know, that's probably rudimentary uh, probably, um, you know, third grade vacation Bible school for some of you guys. You guys, some of you guys have been doing that all of your lives. But the acronym ACTS stands for this adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. In adoration, we adore God simply because He's God. Simply because he is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. Simply because he's first cause. We adore God simply because he is. Confession. We confess our need. We confess the necessity of a big God. We confess that without him, we're nothing. We confess that we need him for the forgiveness of our sins. In thanksgiving, we then start to thank God for what he's done. So first we start out by saying, God, we bless you for who you are. Then we move to a space where we say, God, we bless you and we thank you for what you've done. We thank you that you have taken the initiative to introduce yourself to your enemies, to die for your enemies. We thank you that you've done that. We thank you that you have granted your church salvation. We thank you that you're a sustainer. And lastly, in supplication, we take our desires, we take our fears, we take it all to a triune God that can change a broken situation. And we, we, we cast that all before him. So acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And as I bring this sermon to a close, I just want to Walk us through an act prayer. Walk us through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So let's pray. Father in heaven, you are a just steadfast God. Your glory sits higher than the heavens, Lord. And God, you are you are beautiful. You are 
the epitome of what it means to be awesome. Because, God, we are all we are in awe of you. We are awestruck by you. God, you are loving and steadfast and your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And God, we we worship you and, and we praise you and we adore you for that and for that alone. Just because you are who you are. You are Yahweh. You are Elohim. And Lord, we we confess that we need you. The world needs you. Even though the world may not know you fully, and even though your church may not ever come to know you fully in this life, God, we acknowledge that we need you. We confess that we need you. God, we confess that we're nothing without you. We confess that that we are sinful. We are wretches undone without you, Lord. But God, we also thank you that you took the initiative to save your church. God, your word tells us that while we were yet in sin, you died for us. And we thank you for that. God, we don't take that lightly. Because, God, you chose us. We didn't choose you. You you took the initiative. And you sent your son to die in the place where we should have died. You died the death that we should have died in our stead. And you did it for the joy that was set before you. That just blows my mind. And so God, because you are a big God who is capable of wiping away the sins of your church, God, we, we, we come in, in trust and in, in faith that any broken situation that we're dealing with right now, that you're able to change it, that you're able to fix it. And God, we also praise you and thank you for the good times because it's not all bad because of your common grace. Things are not as bad as they could be because you're in control. And so, God, we ask that you would hear our prayers and that you would move. And I don't know what everybody's dealing with today, but, God, you know, even before the, even before the thought enters our mind, Lord, your word tells us that you know. So, God, we, we cast all of our cares on you. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We stand.